Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Vav in Maseches Ksubis. Now, we are nine lines down on Pei Hei and Bez. So since we're basically still learning Daf Pei Hei, I should mention to you, Andrew, that in uh, Hilchus Sanhedrin, in the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, chapter 24, Halacha uh, 1 and 2, it talks about our, it, basically the Kesef Mishnah there quotes the entire uh, Pei Hei. Basically quotes our daf. What are they trying to show from our daf? Well, as we said, we were talking about case studies, and you might recall Rava is talking about his wife being beyond reproach, which is a beautiful thing. They could say that about his wife, even more than Rav Papa. Amazing. But as Dayanim, are we allowed to make these value judgments? So our Gemara would imply that yes, that we are allowing our judges to make a value judgment. Are these witnesses valid? Do we trust this? What's the relative trust of a pair of rotten witnesses versus one uh, Rava's wife who's a single witness, this kind of thing. And the fact of the matter is the Rambam says that Bizman Hazeh, we don't give this kind of authority to Dayanim because we don't assume to have this kind of ability to be able to discern. Uh, but it's a big responsibility and it is a big question and this is the sugya. It kind of uh, all emanates from here, uh, namely this idea of how much, right? Dayanim are human beings, Andrew, and they're fallible. Even though we call them, we um, equate them with Elohim, so to speak, right? We're, telling, we're saying that they take the place of Hashem because there really only is one judge as we come from Yom Hadin to Yom Ben Kesel Asar, from Yom Hadin to Yom Kippurim. There is only one judge, um, but there is only one infallible judge. We are fallible, and we're doing the best we can, Andrew. I mean, we all have Siyat Tishmaya. And uh, the whole world, we should have a judgment for good. So nine lines down. So here's a case study. Very similar to the case study we had with the Marganisa, the Tzayir B'Sadina, the pearls in the kerchief, if you will. Um, so I know, it sounds like a Steinberg um, the novel. This was a person who deposited a silver cup with a man named Chasa. Shachiv Chasa passed away with a pocket, and he had not given any final instructions as to what to do with said silver cup. So wait a minute. So why does he have to give instructions? It should go to his Yorshim, shouldn't it? Well, also look at me there of Nachman. The, the person who put the, who was Mafkid, right, claims that this is his, that he owned it. Now there's a person deposited it there. That he, was it supposed to be, get, was supposed to be given as a, Collateral, a mashkan, or something that's supposed to come back. Uh, it's supposed to, it's certainly supposed to come, come back to him. Or was it something that Chasa was supposed to keep? So the, so everybody said, right, the Yorshim said, no, that was given to my father to keep. And Chasa said, no, I gave it and I was expecting it back. So I'm a lahus. So how's Rav Nachman supposed to decide? So says Rav Nachman, there are two favors in the, there are two aspects in the favor of this person who deposited it. Because I know the chasa wasn't wealthy enough to have owned the silver cup. And also, we have a siman. So, in other words, certainly this was the depositor's silver cup. And the only question is, did he, was it supposed to go back to him? So apparently, yes. Because there's no way that chasa, this uh, was something that was meant to be owed by chasa. Okay, and because we have these two um, factors, so we're going to say that it should... Because we have these two factors, it should belong back to the depositor, but we're only, lo Amran, we're only going to say that, the only way we say that is when it's in fact infrequent for this depositor to be at Chasa's house, because 
because if it were a regular occurrence for the depositor to be in Chas's house, so then he would have been able to identify it even without, right, uh, to, without having to have been its owner. He could have just identified from being in the house all the time and examining it. And therefore, uh, we could say that maybe somebody else, maybe this belonged to somebody else. And this guy is able to provide, right, remember, we don't know we're presenting it like we know what the story is, but when the Dayanim see it, they don't know what the story is. They just know somebody's coming and he say, listen, I have this item in Chasim's house and it's very expensive and it looks exactly like this. So if this guy frequented Chasim's house all the time, so we don't even know whether he's lying, right? Um, Etc. So again, like I said, Andrew, we're not really looking at uh, Dayanim or, at, uh, or anything like that. We're trying to make a judgment. All right. Okay, moving right along. Next, uh, third, a third case, very similar. Hodafkid metachsa, person deposited a silk garment with who? With Ravdimi, beidimi, be Ravdimi, Achuda Rav Safra, Ravdimi, who happened to be the brother of Safra. Shachiv Ravdimi, when Ravdimi passed away, Velopakid, he didn't give any instructions as to what to be. He says, interesting. Well, why does that matter? In other words, if this guy is lying, the depositor is lying, so it should just go to the Yorshim anyway. But the fact of the matter is. Um, if if Ravdimi had given instruction, then obviously it would be it would be clear what was who this belonged to. But the point of him not giving instructions, we don't know who this belongs to. So also the commander of Yaba. So now you have again two litigants, the uh, Yorshim, right, the heirs versus the depositor. So Amar Lahu, Ravdimi says there's two factors. All these cases are the same. Where Ravdimi doesn't have any money, and therefore he would not have been able to avoid this expensive silk garment. We're halfway down Paham Bays. Good morning, And he gave a simon. And similarly, like we've been saying before, this is only true when he's not a regular frequenter of the house. But if he regularly visited, right, again, this claimant who says, I'm the one that gave the silk, if, it was, if he was a regular um, a frequent visitor of Ravdimi's house, then then we could say that maybe he only knows these simanim because of his frequent visits, and in fact, it belongs to somebody else. Now we're 10 lines up, Garanowitz, from the wide lines. 10 lines up from the wide lines on pay, hey, Amad Beis, a new kind of case. A person says, I want to give my, my, all my nechasim to Tuvia. Then he dies. All right, but he doesn't say which Tuvia. All he says is Tuvia. So, Shach, if he dies, also Tuvia. So a guy named Tuvia shows up and he says, Hi, here I am to get all the stuff. So I'm Rabbi Yochran, Hare Ba Tuvia. Hey, look, there's Tuvia, which is to say, let's give it to him. Uh, in other words, could be other Tuvias come. And yet, we have, even, even that, if that were to happen, I guess first Tuvia come, first Tuvia served. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, that's... How else would you, right? Um, how else would you would you evaluate it? Now, this Tuvia, it's presumed that he was a good friend of the deceased, and that he that's why he knew, and that's why he showed up. But you know, could be multiple Tuvias. What if Amar Tuvia? What if the dying person said it should go to Tuvia? But also Rav Tuvia, person who showed up was not really referred to as Tuvia; he was referred to as Rav Tuvia. So there, he can't take it. Why? Because the Tuvia Amar. The, the deceased, right, didn't say Rav Tuvia, he said Tuvia, right? La Tuvia, he said. La Rav Tuvia, he didn't say Rav Tuvia. 
Yeah, but what if he was Rav Tuvia's bestie? Right? So whereas everyone else calls him Rav Tuvia because he's the rabbi, he knows him from childhood. And therefore, because he is, in fact, so right casual with him, it is possible that when he said Tuvia, he was referring to Rav Tuvia, and therefore Rav Tuvia can claim it. What about Asushne Tuvia? Two people called Tuvia show up at the door simultaneously. Who are we going to give it to? So we have a hierarchy of criteria. You're going to love this, Koranowitz. Shochen v'Talmud Chacham. Two Tuvias come. One of them is the neighbor, and one of them is the Talmud Chacham. Who comes first? The Talmud Chacham. Talmud Chacham called him. Kara v'Talmud Chacham. One of one of his family, and the other one is Talmud Chacham. Still, Talmud Chacham called him. You give it to the Tuvia, the Talmud Chacham. Um, presumably, because the Talmud Chacham is very trustworthy, or. Because the, by definition, right? Because Talmud Chacham is supposed to be trustworthy. Or because it's a chashivas. Fact of the matter is, the Dayanim are going to use their judgment, guys. They're going to use their judgment, and it's amazing. Because like I said, they're not Hashem. They don't know for sure, but they are given the authority, at least according to this Gemara, to try to make these value judgments and appropriate the money accordingly. Uh, similarly, Ibailu, Shachin Vekarov Mai. What about Shachin Vekarov? So now get the Talmud Chacham out of the equation. Only a neighbor versus a family member. Tashma, there is a pasuk. Tov shachin karv me'ach rachok. Right? It's better to be a close neighbor than a distant brother, which seems to imply from, um, from Mishle that the people that live right near you is, in fact, right, the people you're spending the most time with, and therefore that seems to imply that the shachinim, uh, the people in your life on a daily basis uh, are, in fact, your uh, your become essentially more chashav in a sense. The Gemara then beyond that says Shnehim Korovim. What if you have two relatives and both of them have the same name? A lot of times that happens because they get named after the same person. Or Ushnehim Shchenim. Let's say you have two neighbors, one on either side. Ushnehim Chachamim, or both or both are Chachamim. So that's where the Gemara just explicitly has to say Shuda Daini. That's left again at the judgment. Of the Dayanim. Oh, well, Shuda the Daini has its limitations, but here it's supposedly appropriate, right? You have, you, you don't say Yachloku, like it's like Shnai Mochs and Batalis. You don't say, let's split it, because how are we supposed to tell? They are supposed to investigate and figure it out. So, really, the judges have a lot of authority. Again, this is a big, big topic. Look at the 24th chapter of Hilchah Sanhedrin, but. It is uh, here where we see that they do have a certain amount of discretion. So now six lines up from the bottom of Pei on base. Amazing. He says to the son of Chiyabar Avin, I want to hear a vart from Chiyabar Avin. Tell me a beautiful vart that your father said. Can you say, tell me a beautiful vart? Can you say that one vart is more beautiful than the other? Well, we, all of the Torah is beautiful, but apparently you can say, I'd like to hear a beautiful vart in that positive language. So, so that's what Shmuel said. Let's say a creditor sells his shtarchov. This was what he considered the beautiful vart, Goranowitz. That which Shmuel said, and then apparently repeated, that if a person sells the shtarchov, which means you're allowed to do that. So in other words, I have a star that says that Andrew owns me money. I could sell that, I could sell that star at a discount to Goranowitz and then do a crazy thing. Be mochel it. I, mochel Andrew. Goranowitz, right? So I have a star that says that Andrew owes me $100. I say, hey, Goranowitz, you want to buy this for 20 bucks? And then when Andrew pays me, you, you, you'll gain $80. So 
Grano says, are you kidding? Of course, I'll buy $100 with $20. Gives me $20. I give him the Shtarchov. And then I go back and I mochel Andrew. And I tell him that he doesn't need to pay it back. So now I got Garano, which is 20 bucks. Why I would do this, I don't know. But I got Garano, which is 20 bucks. And now Andrew doesn't owe me anything. And I, maybe I did this because I thought Andrew was never going to pay me, right? So instead of Andrew never paying me, I was able to be him. Oh, good morning, Barry. Barry knows that we're not yet at pay Vavim Dolph. We appreciate it. Thank you. This is beautiful to see. Barry's this is, going Barry's going with me to Israel. Oh, Everybody, Brussels, and uh, we wish you all a, a good yontiv. Everybody in Ireland and in Brussels and in Barcelona. We're going to Bezrat Hashem have an extendo uh, break in Eretz Israel, Bezrat Hashem, through Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And we look forward to seeing you back. We'll be back before the end of Ksubis. Don't worry. Bezrat Hashem. But it's going to be that week after Sukkot when we return Bezrat Hashem. Um, but be that as it may, uh, we say that this beautiful vart, we're six lines up from the bottom of Peheim and Beis. Uh, the beautiful vart had to do with if I uh, sell this IOU that Andrew is going, because I don't think Andrew's going to pay me, let's say. So I sell the IOU to Goranowitz, and I at least squeeze 20 bucks out of Goranowitz, and then I mochel Andrew. Mochel. The answer is that I can actually do that. I can be mochel. Uh, in other words, one would argue, once I sold... Right, Andrew's IOU to Garanowitz. I no longer have the authority to be Mochel Andrew. It's not in my possession anymore, this IOU. This star is in Garanowitz's possession. So who am I at this point to be Mochel the loan? But I am the one, in fact, that was the initial principal of the loan to lend him the money. So in that sense, I am. And that's the Allah. The Allah is, in fact, that I can be Mochel the loan. Wow. And that means that Garanowitz can no longer collect from Andrew. Not only that, but even one's Yorshim could be Mochel. Why would they be able to Mochel? Because as Yorshim, they stand in the place of the original person. They become the creditors. So they have the power to cancel the debts owed to him as well. So Modesh Shmuel, so, so, so your, your father said that Shmuel, however, is Modesh, right? This is still part of the beautiful Vart that Rav Heber Avin said. Why is it beautiful? Oh, that's a good, uh, that's a good question, Gronin. So let's see. So what's beautiful here is that they found all these halachas. What was beautiful? Let's see. What did he say? That, that when it comes to a woman bringing a loan document to her husband, and then being mochel somebody else, she in fact cannot be mochel. Why? Because the husband's power in the loan is equal to hers. In other words, once a woman goes into... Right, so in other words, if I sell it to you, right, if it, uh, sell it to Goranowitz, I still have the authority. But a woman is mochel, she can no longer do it because her husband becomes uh, the one who, who has the authority now. And the man and the woman become one, and that's so beautiful. You could say this out of Sheva Brachos, okay. So, so it, it, it's the man and woman become one. And that the husband and, and the wife are intertwined and he become, and he's able to, and he's able to, uh, at that point control the loan. And it's, in fact, it's beautiful in itself that they found beauty in these halachas. So now listen to this. This is the second line up from Pehim Bez at the bottom. And Rav Nachman's relative sold her ksuba for a small amount. So here, it's an interesting related idea that she has a ksuba coming to her, but she doesn't know if she's going to collect, right? She might uh, not live to collect her ksuba, 
or whatever it is, right? And therefore, she wants the money in hand now. So she sells, it's like futures. It's like people who sell their reverse mortgage and all that. Okay, so here, she's selling her ksuba for a smaller amount, right? And igar shavashchiva, but sure enough, she gets divorced, so she would have collected it, and then she dies. So when she dies, she leaves behind, let's say, a daughter, right? She leaves behind a child. So again, the child is yoresh, the ksuba technically, because after all, her mother had gotten divorced. So, so technically she's owed the ksuba, but she already sold the ksuba. So, so the purchasers who purchased the ksuba go to the girl who was the Yorish of her mother and they say, okay, we need, we purchased the rights to ksuba. So, I'm of Nachman, Leka the Lisbala Can nobody give her the advice? What's the advice? There's a trick here. There's a shtick. What's the shtick? She can, in fact, be mochel. As we finally arrive, pay vav and ralf at the still obnoxious time at 5.34 a.m. Say, tezel v'sichal al-iksuvasa de'ima l'gabe avuha. She let her go, forgive the lo- right, give, forgive her father, right, the debt from the ksuba. In other words, forgive the ksuba. Can't you, right? Because, again, by selling the ksuba, right, she, the mother transferred the debt, right? But if, Right, a Yorish can forgive the debt, so then the daughter can release her father from the debt to the mother of the Ksuba, and then, Vitsir Samine. And then eventually, she's not going to get the Ksuba right away because she's just forgiven. But when her father dies, at least she'll be Yorish, right? Now there's Vitsir Samine. And then she'll inherit the money from her father later. So, sure enough, as Nachman was saying this, right, she overheard this woman, her overheard, Shama, the girl. She overheard Azla Achilte, and she did, in fact, we did. She went, she forgave the Ksuba from her father, and then upon doing so, right, was waiting for her father to pass away so she could inherit it. So that was a shtick. So Amar of Nachman, Nasim Natsmini Korcha Dayanim. Rav Nachman said, We made ourselves lawyers. He doesn't mean this in a positive way, he's saying it in a derogatory way. He's saying we've turned ourselves into shtickmachers, right, into shtolzi hawkers who are, uh, uh, starting to put to to sort of like find loopholes, and he doesn't like the fact that this girl was able to basically make a workaround, a financial workaround, uh, to avoid pay, uh, paying, making good on that which her mother had sold, which was the right to the ksuba. In other words, there is a technical technicality, a loophole in which we can get around giving the ksuba to these people who bought it. But is that the right thing to do just because you could technically do it? So the Gemara says. Well, my It's an interesting question. Rav Nachman, what did he think when he thought it was a good idea to do to to use this technical workaround? And then what made him feel remorse about that later? Like, is it okay to, to do this stick or is it not? So this is the Gemara. Yeah, originally thought it would be fair to right to award the money to her daughter because after all, the daughter's family. Like, in other words, it had to do more with. I guess the ends justifying the means, Barry. I don't know what to say. Like, like the fact that, okay, the guy purchased the ksuba, uh, the rights to the ksuba, but still, like, the daughter's an orphan. Like, give her the money. So maybe that initially he had Rachmanus on her. But then, after that, that's what Mibsar Chalosi Salim, right? The, that the family, it should stay in the family. However, shiny. But in the end, he thought, you know what? Uh, a person who is like Rav Nachman, a person of integrity, like a public rabbi figure, shouldn't get involved in these shtick, in these financial shtick. Kosher money, Andrew. You gotta keep it kosher, you gotta keep the integrity. What do you, what do you have if not your integrity? So it's true 
that maybe, you know, if you were Robin Hood, you'd be stealing from one and giving to the other and appropriating it to family and all that. I get it. But you have to keep your integrity and honesty, Barry. He wrote it. And that is your Goranowitz Muslim moment. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Gufa. Let's look at the halacha itself. Again, I was owed money by Andrew and I sold the rights to Goranowitz and then I was Michael Andrew. Machel. The halacha is in fact that the debt is forgiven. And even one's Yorish could be Machel. Right? If, Rashi, Rashi says, in other words, what could he do? In other words, he owes a lokeach something, right? Um, and so, if I want to, if the purchaser is wise, if Garanowitz was wise, he could offer Andrew some money, right? And, and get his own, like, side hustle loan with Andrew, with Andrew's name on it, which is to say, if Garanowitz wanted to be smart about it, he could sort of, uh, make a side arrangement with Andrew so that Andrew has skin in the game, or uh, or a side arrangement with me, right? Offer, um, or 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 Andrew, and so work it out in such a way so that everybody has skin in the game, so that he doesn't get right hosed afterwards. That's a that's a little life hack over there. Okay. Be that as may, Amar Maymar man the doin dina de garmi. See, there's a difference between garmi and grama. Don't get excited. Grama and garmi are two different things, and grama we'd be chayef for, but garmi means, let's just stick with simple, we'll get to all of this when we get to Nazikin, but um, garmi is an indirect hezek. What's the indirect uh, damage? Well, the indirect damage that I caused to, um, that I caused to Goranowitz. How did I cause Goranowitz an indirect damage? Because I sold him something, and then I indirectly, right, caused him to not pay, get paid on that sale, again. Andrew owed me money. I sold, right, Goranowitz the rights to that money, and then I was Mochel Andrew. So in so doing, by being Mochel Andrew, I indirectly damaged, I'm allowed to do that, and the lucha is that it's effective, but I indirectly damaged Goranowitz because he bought something that now he's not going to get. Well, if you hold man, the Dain Dinagami, according to the person who holds that this actually is something for which I am culpable for paying, right? Uh, for that, and then you see why I would have to, why I would do this shtick altogether. But if I damaged Goranowitz indirectly by being Mochel Andrew, right, then I, in fact, have done damage to Goranowitz, and therefore, uh, I'm gonna have to pay Goranowitz for the damage that I did. However, but if you don't hold of this indirect damage, then you don't get any. If you don't hold that this indirect damage counts as get damage, then I don't owe Goranowitz anything. I don't owe him more than the paper that the star's worth on, which is to say, garnished meant garnished. I don't owe him anything, as Rashi explains. Okay, so now there's a story to that effect of Uvda. This actually happened. And Rafram forced Ravashi to collect fully on the damage. And he assessed it like as if he was assessing a beam for it. Salmi would be like, uh, tselem, like tselem, like like uh, wood statues. So, you know, that wood is very careful, as Rashi says. You look at it very carefully, make sure it's straight, make sure it's smooth. So, similarly here, he evaluated very carefully how much I owed Goranowitz in that particular state. And so, you can forget about this shtick. I can't really do it, even though technically it would work, right? In other words, Andrew, you're forgiven. You don't have to pay. That mechila worked. But I have to be accountable for the damage that I caused uh, Goranowitz by forgiving you, Lachaim.
Let's say a person has a whole bunch of obligations. In this particular case, he has to pay his wife Suva, and then he has other creditors, right? So, and he has land and money. Makes the most sense that to pay back the guy you borrowed money from money and to give karka to your wife. That's the most. That's the way of the world, man. That's that's the karka is usually what you pay Suba with. And money is what you pay back a money loan with. So that works, right? Everything is easy in that case, right? If I, it's easy to be a dine in a case like that, Barry. However, but if all I have is land, and I only have enough to, for, to satisfy either the ksuba or the money loan, I have to pay back my creditors before you pay the ksuba. My timer will be the reason. We go back to the tovla mace of Tindum and mace of Armalu, which is to say, Rashi explains at the end of the day, right? By the way, this only works if it's simultaneous, right? In other words, if the, if the, if the wife's ksuba comes due before any debt is incurred, so of course she's going to get the ksuba first. But it's only in a very unique case where it's simultaneous that actually the debt will come first. And it's in fact, if even if women know that that's going to happen, that's a very rare occurrence. And it's not going to deter them from getting married. And it's for that reason that we say in that unique case, she will in fact lose her ksuba, which is not great. But what are you going to do? The guy only has one, le- one field. Okay. Now, I'm the popular of Chama. Vadai Rava, we certainly said, is it true that we said actually in Rava's name that if a person owes another person money, and he has nothing, and he has land but no money, and the Balchov comes to get the payment, and then the person who owes him the money, instead of, again, Andrew lent me money, but I only have land to give him. So Andrew comes to collect the money. I say, here, Andrew, take this deed for the land, go sell it, and keep the money. Can I say that? I mean, like, zil, zabin, us, I could tell, I could tell Andrew, go, zil, zabin, us, you go sell the land, and keep the, keep the money. So, Amalei, Papa, so, so, Chama, rather, Amalei, Chama replied to Papa, lo, Rabbi did not say that. Thanks for playing. Thanks for asking. So, Papa says, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. gufa uvda Tell me exactly what Rabbi said, because something's missing here. So Rav Chama says, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. What happened was, they came, Andrew came to collect the money from me, and I said, listen, I have money, but it's in the possession of some Ovid Kachavim, which is to say, um, some local mob boss who's super intimidating. So I say, I have the money, you could collect it, but, you know, um, what's Al, Al Capone has it. You go get it from him. Right? Andrew's going to get his kneecaps chopped off. That's not going to happen. So I am playing, I am playing uh, fast and loose with the rules here, right? I think I'm being funny. So says the Gemara. Who also Shloka Hogan? I didn't do the right thing, right? I, I told Andrew, go get it from my loan shark. That's not proper behavior. And therefore, we, the judges, uh, they, they realize this guy was a rascal and he's like, try, and he's trying to, be a wise guy by sending Andrew to the loan shark. So they're telling this rascal that, guess what? We're going to treat you that way as well. And we're going to require you to sell the field and get the money for the creditor. We're not going to let you give Andrew the field. You go, go, you go sell the field. Okay. 
Fine. So I'm like Rav Kahana, Rav Papa, Balchov Mitzvah. But what about this mitzvah? Isn't paying back a loan a mitzvah? You know, giving loans is a mitzvah. Paying back loans is also a mitzvah. Well, if you have this mitzvah, um, so then shouldn't you? Amar lo mitzvah mai. Shouldn't a person say, you know what? It's a great mitzvah. I love that, but it's not the mitzvah I feel like performing today. What would be the lacha if a guy just says, I don't want to do this mitzvah? Now, obviously, midirvan he has to pay it. But the question that 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 the mafarshim say is being asked here is mida araisa. Is there any chiyuv mida araisa to pay back loans in general? So Amalei, the Papa says Tanina. We learned this idea, right? When it comes to get malkas for mida mida araisa, that's by losasei. Let's say somebody says you have to go build a sukkah, and he says I'm not going to do it, or lula veina ose. Or you have to shake a lulav. Ah, uh, almost not the only coincidence. By next week, we'll already be in Yonadiyama. So, makin oso achetetsa We say we beat him up, right? So, here too, we're going to force people to pay their loans. Which is to say, like, this is a fascinating thing. Rabbi Kiva Eger has a whole thing. Is there really a difference at the end of the day between losa ase and ase? The, 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 the short answer is, for the purpose of time, that losa ase is after the fact. If one violated it, you're going to get malchus, right? But that's after the fact. Assays, by definition, right, you haven't done it until we force you to do it. So it's really like two sides of the same coin. We're going to force you one way or the other. But with the losa say, we force you to do an action. And with the losa say, we punish you after you've done the action. But at the end of the day, we can, in fact, do that. When it comes to the money, however, uh, paying back a loan, we're not really going to beat you up. Instead, we're just going to confiscate your money, Andrew. And then that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be the way we're going to handle it and, 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 uh, Get justice. That's how justice will be served. Uh, here he is. Rami the, the great Rami Barchama, Shir Schmidman's PhD thesis. Ask Rav If you give your wife a get and you say, okay, here's your get, but it's not effective until after 30 days. And then, and she went, put the get in Sidei Rishus Arabim. Now, if she had put it in the actual Rishus Arabim, so then guess what? When the 30 days comes, it's not bayada. That's the issue, Barry. The get has to be bayada in order for it to be effective. Now, he did hand her the get, but when he handed her, he delayed the chalos, the right? He said, this is not effective yet. By the time, at the moment of the effectivity, effectiveness, as it were, of the get, she, it was no longer in her, in her rishus. Now, it wasn't rishus arabim either. It was like in this, in this hybrid tzidei rishus arabim, the sides of the rishus arabim. So is that treated like rishus arabim or not? Mahu. What's Allah? Says the Gemara of Chista, Amalei, ain't a Megurash, it's mid Ravishmuel. According to Ravishmuel, she would not be Megurash. Why? The Ravishmuel, the Amri Tevayo, who should Svurin, Wenachem, Rishasarabim. Right. Ravishmuel hold, like the ruling of Rav Tarfon, is in the case where everything is rest is piled up in Rishasarabim. But Sidei Rishasarabim, Kirshasarabim, Damo. And they hold that Sidei Rishasarabim, this, this little side, uh, side Rishus Arabim areas where everybody was setting up right there, whatever, um, their, their kiosks and whatnot, that has the din of Rishus Arabim, and therefore she, right, a person doesn't acquire that unless he actually does a, right, Kenyan. This is hearkening back to Rabbi Tarfan Rabbi Kiva, and here there was no Kenyan in, in this Rishus because it's not an Asimta, Right, it's not an alleyway as we discussed yesterday, but rather it's in the Ritzini Rishus Rabim, it's treated like Rishus Rabim, therefore it never entered Biyada at the time that the get was Chal, and it is not a good get. 
But Rami Barchama doesn't agree. Ada Rabbi says Rami Barchama. Megoresh is Midr of Nachman. You should say that she is divorced according to Rav Nachman. The Amar of Nachman and Rabbi Barvua. However, Melchaver Meshach Parazu Veloti Eknu Lachat Ad Achar Shloshim Yom. Person says, "Okay, I'm selling you this cow. You could pull it. Do the Kenyan now. You're not going to acquire it until after thirty days." Is this an Hamafkid? Where was this Barry? This is a very famous, very very famous halacha. Kana Vafilu Omedes Beagam. He acquires it even after 30 days, right? Even if it's in a swamp, which is to say it's not in an area that's in anybody's possession. Uh, yeah, but what's the luck of a swamp? Don't worry. When we get to the bavas, we'll be all over this Gemara. comes up several times because it has all the lumdus component, right? You're doing the Kenyan now. When is the Kenyan Chal? When the Kenyan's Chal? He's in an Agam. Is an Agam a Rishus? What kind of Rishus is a swamp? Anyway, my love, hainu agam v'hainu tzidi rishus arabim. So we have a very parallel case, right, where we're delaying the chalos, as it were, of when this transaction is going to take place for thirty days, and at the time that the transaction actually takes place, that delayed action, you either have this cow in the in in the um, in the swamp, or you have the get in the tzidi rishus arabim. Be that as it may, shouldn't be the parallel halacha, and yet we say that the get doesn't work, and this Kenyan does work. So what gives? So Rav Chista says, "Lo, Agam lechud v'tzidi rishus harabim lechud." There's a difference between tzidi rishus harabim. Tzidi rishus harabim has the halacha of rishus harabim where you cannot make a kenyan, and for whatever reason that we'll explore when we learn the the, the uh, locus classicus, the actual sugya of the agam. The agam has a different halacha of rishus harabim, and for our purposes, that's sufficient to know that they have different din, and therefore you can be kona in an agam. Ayein Sham and Bezat Hashem will be zocha to do so. Be that as it may, Ika de Amri, those who say Amalei Megureshes Merav Nachman. Then in fact, the other way, the Rav Nachman, right? A version where Rav Nachman says she sure is Megureshes. Vetzidah Rishus Rabim Ka'agam Dami. And just like your Conan and Agam in the case of the delayed right Para acquisition, so too you could be Conan and Rishus Rabim. To which Rami Barchama in this other version said Adarabba. No, ain't a Megureshes Merav Nachman. That she's not aggressive, because Rav Shmuel says, "My love, I knew Rishus Rabim. I didn't see the Rishus Rabim." Right? It's not. You can't say that see the Rishus Rabim. Uh, is it, it, right? We say, do you not say that Rishus Rabim and see the Rishus Rabim is the same, and therefore it should not be Kona? To which of Chista went back and said, "Lo, Rishus Rabim l'chud and see the Rishus Rabim l'chud." That Rishus Rabim and see the Rishus Rabim are in fact different, and that was the answer in that second version. So. You have to sort it out. Is Tzidei Rishus Arabim like Rishus Arabim? And how are they different from Agam? All of that would come into play as to whether the Kenyan takes place in the case of the Get that goes in Tzidei Rishus Harabim. So now we resume with the Mishnah on Pevavim Beis. Um, there's two Mishnahs in Pevavim Beis. Let's try to get to the second one on the bottom. Here we have the first one on the top, which says the follows. A wife is the manager of her husband's business. He says, you're going to be my storekeeper or Shemina Apotropia or she's like his, um, his office manager and life manager of all the bills and all the everything. He can make her swear whenever he wants to. What kind of swear? In other words, he can demand that she swore at any, at, like at the drop of a hat for no reason. He can swear you, that she didn't embezzle money uh, to go do her shopping in Bloomingdale's, Andrew, right? And he can ask, uh, even if he, there's no reason to assume that she did so, at any time he can make her swear that she is um, not skimming off the top. Okay. That this extends even to, right, household things. Hey, where's my protein bars, wants to know Andrew. He can make her swear that she didn't take his protein bars. 
Oh my goodness. Says the Gemara, Ibailu, Rabbi Eliezer, Aide Gilgul Kamar, Ola Chatchila Kamar. This Rabbi Eliezer, this extra thing that Rabbi Eliezer is saying in the Mishnah, is he saying that you can only um, make her swear that she didn't take your protein bars if she is in fact the custodian and the one paying the bills and the one that you put in charge of the household financial affairs? That would be Gilgul? Or is it true of any husband? Even Barry can ask Sandy, he make her swear that she didn't take his protein bars. Says the Gemara, Tashma. No, 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 no. We're not going to turn our, our uh, holy Jewish husbands into, uh, into ogres who can make their wife swear that they didn't take their stuff because nobody likes to live with these miserable people just like a person doesn't live with a snake in the basket. Whenever we say that, we mean we don't, want, to, we don't our, want the husbands to be jerks to their wives. And therefore, we're not going to allow them to just make their wife swear all, uh, up and down that they didn't take anything. Or, what about them going shopping and spending all the husband's money? So can they, can they spend all the husband's money go shopping? So a husband has to be kind to his wife. So there's a balance. We, we had all the sugyas, Gerardo Suksubis, with your team mobile. You, you may have missed some of the sugyas of the appropriate, right, previous prakim, the appropriate behavior, the seventh parak of the wife to the husband, husband to the wife. Be that as may, if you say lachatchila, right, the Rebbe Yezah says that you can make her swear about household things, shapir. Then, then the chachamim makes sense. In other words, when the chachamim said, the husband can't be a jerk, that makes more sense if you say the Rebbe Yezah said in a vacuum that Andrew can't make his wife swear that she didn't take the protein bars. But if you're going to say that she was the uh, that that Andrew had already appointed Lini in charge of all the household affairs, as Rashi explains, what's the difference? Why does she care? He, he, Andrew's already making her swear right that she balanced the books correctly. So why does she care that she's also having to swear about the protein bars? It's all you know, kind of included. In, in one dynamic of a relationship. Says the Gemara, Yeah, because a wife could say to his husband, you, because you check at me not only to see whether I balance the checkbook correctly, but you also check it to me that I didn't take your protein bars, I am getting sick of you. Enough of this already. Who, who, who wants to live under such mistrust and scrutiny? Okay. Or, Tashma, let's learn from the following Bryce some proof as to what is, in fact, the machlokas here, or what's going on with Rabbi Lezer in our mission, as follows. Let's say a husband did not want to exempt his wife from a neder or a And then he set her up as uh, the storekeeper, or or the person who's charging bills and business affairs of the home. Uh, such a person, right, can make her swear whenever she wants. However, if he did not Make put her in, uh, in charge of the store or appoint her as the apotropia. He can't make her swear. Rabbi Yezer Omer, right? The Brisa is a little more explicit. It's the same as our Mishnah, but there it says explicitly that he can't make her swear according to the Chachamim if he didn't, right, in the regular household things. However, Rabbi Yezer Omer, well, here it's explicit. Rabbi Yezer says, even though he did not put her in charge of the store, or in charge of the household business affairs, he can make her swear that she didn't steal his breakfast bars. You'll never find a woman who's not in charge, at least for at some point in their lives, of their bills. Okay? And so when it comes to her spindle or her dough, meaning, right, the, house, the regular household things, where did you put the remote? 
right? She has to swear she didn't touch the remote. Amrulah, they said to Rebbe Leezer, a person can't live together with a guy who's going to make his wife uh, do an actual formal shvua every time he loses his shoes or he can't find right um, his stuff. So now, right from there, we see clearly, like Rabbi Yazar, right, that in fact, he's referring to Lachatchila and that that was his shita, that you could, in fact, make your wife swear in those scenarios. So now we have less than two minutes left, and we are finally in the bottom Mishnah. On Pevavim Beis, let's start reading. Because of law, a husband writes a document to his wife saying, "Neder shvua enli alayich." I don't have a neder. Eino yachal ashbia. He can't impose a neder on her. Right? He says, "Right, aval mashbia who has your sheha vesabayim brishus." In other words, he came in saying, "I can never make you swear." So he can never make her swear, but he can make her yorshim swear, right? Or anybody or any of her successors swear. Neder shvua enli alayich. But if he says explicitly that I can never make your Yorsham swear, so So he can never make any of them swear. But if he has inheritors, they can make those people swear because they never made that promise. And they can make anybody, right? Certainly their Yorsham they can make swear. However, and furthermore, if I said not me nor or my Yorsham can make you swear, None of us can make any of you swear. So then that's effective. He can't make her swear. And not even the people who come in his stead, because that was the... So in other words, he can impose this on his own Yorshim. So let's stop here, six lines up from the bottom. Uh, and you can finish the mission of Bezrat Hashem. Everybody have a good Gemar Chasim and a good Yantiv.